0: Hello everyone, welcome to Milserp World, sort of, not really the podcast, but you might be listening to this on the podcast channel. Um, This is something a little different, a little uh, special, we might say. Uh, We are joined here uh, by Aaron, of course, as usual, and a special guest, Robin. Do you guys want to say hello? Hello. Hello. Uh, So... Robin, we are here today to talk about your recent decision, which is to um, to go over to Ukraine. So, if, um, really, the the first question that I have for you is um, like what what made you vol- volunteer? Um, if you want to talk a little bit about like your background and you know what what maybe uh, was some of your driving factors.
1: All right. Well, I'm a 42 year old EMT, and I originally went through EMT training when I was 18, 19 at that kind of crossover. And in the past, I've worked several disasters through the old uh, Disaster Service and Human Resources. It's no longer the same with Red Cross, but worked with uh, a lot of the tornadoes in Alabama and, you know, with Katrina. And uh, so I've kind of seen, you know, this isn't anything like that at all, I'm sure, but still had that kind of effect of wanting to help out but what really brought it to me was I have some friends that are actual natives of Ukraine and live in Ukraine and you know before all this started I've was in regular contact with them and I'm still in regular contact with them and you know you can watch it on tv you can see the social media posts but it's still somewhat third person you know what I mean but When you're talking to somebody on a voice, you know, voice chat or even video chat, and in the background you hear air raid sirens, it's a little bit more on your doorstep, and looks a little more real. It exactly. And from that point, when I saw the things on social media and on the news, it was no longer that third person view because it felt a lot closer to home. And you know, just seeing some of what was happening to people, you know, a lot of destruction, a lot of death. It's, it's a humanitarian nightmare. But you also saw a lot of injuries that, you know, the, the ones who did survive. And it's like, you know, what if there was others who could if there was another set of hands there? You know, even if it wasn't my own, me going there will give somebody else the ability to maybe move to another position, which might be there to help that wouldn't have been before. That's the kind of thought process that was just going on in my head, you know, and,
0: yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, really. Yeah, yeah, and and you talking about you know you you helping with you know like tornado disaster relief sort of thing. Um, I mean that it looks from the images I'm seeing on the news it looks pretty. You know, some of those towns over in Ukraine look like a tornado went through them. So it you know, might might not be yeah big, yeah might not be too far off then from from your experience. Yeah, I mean clearly
1: there's going to be a whole different theater and environment, but going to have that same kind of needs you know and whatever i can do to help
0: and yeah yeah well that's that's uh, that's really solid solid reasoning man i it's it's very um it's very you know brave honestly not not trying to you know toot your horn but it's um yeah that's that's a certain aspect that maybe a lot of people don't think about like you said of you know you taking up a certain position, you know, is maybe helping to free someone else to, you know, to go somewhere else where it's needed. So um, I think that's I think that's really, you know, great logic.
1: I mean, you know, I don't like to look at this as just myself volunteering, you know, because there's tens of thousands, if not, I mean, probably way more than that. You know, just in terms of the people who joined the military action was what, twenty two, twenty five thousand 25,000 foreign you know, people who like signed up to fight with their military. But aside from that, you know, there's 30, 40,000 people doing other humanitarian things a few weeks ago when I saw it. And I'm pretty sure it's even more than that. So me, I'm just one, a very small element of a much bigger picture, you know, and every little small element adds to that, make it much bigger help, you know, and that's kind of how it feels more so than
0: just me volunteering. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, are you um, are you going by yourself? Or are you going with like other people? Do you know other other people maybe like are you know local to you that are kind of going together, or this sort of a solo trip?
1: Geographically, it's solo. Like from here, no, I, nobody else that I know is going. Um, I I know a few people who are already there, a couple of doctors and some medics um, from UK and France and another fellow from germany who's probably i'm going to meet him when i first get there and then i got some contacts in another city in poland that i'm going to give a call to they're polish and probably going to meet up with the doctors at the border is kind of the plan of action it's kind of loose because i don't know where everybody's going to be what position when i do get there but i can get in touch with them and you know arrange everything from that point
0: yeah, I've heard of um, quite a few people. That it seems everyone's sort of flying into Poland and then, you know, kind of hitch, hitching a ride or, or whatever into into Ukraine. Is that sort of what everyone you know is doing?
1: Yeah, that's basi- basically how it seems. Um, one of the medics from Britain, they went over and when they got there at the airport. They actually ran into somebody else who was waiting on somebody to drive some trucks full of medical supplies and. While she was talking to them, they were like, hey, uh, we got another truck that needs a driver. And he just ended up doing that, you know, and she's one of the ones I was going to meet up with, so. Oh, yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's it's kind of a, you know, it's it's so chaotic. Things do get kind of piecemealed together. You know, I mean, I have a fairly loose plan, but I know what I'm going to do if nobody else comes along in the path, you know, so. Yeah,
0: yeah. But I mean, help even, even like you said with her, that's uh, every can, even if it means just, you know, driving, yeah. I'm sure just moving stuff, you know, logistics is a big, is a big thing really.
1: Uh, when I worked with the disaster services here, that's actually what I did was, uh, logistics and supply chain, like with moving a lot of the stuff that was needed, food and whatnot.
0: So, yeah, well, it might, <laughs> it sounds like you got a lot of, you know, pretty relevant experience then for, for going over there. Um, you know, probably a lot of people wanting to go over there it just might be thinking more like, you know, like military. They want to go and fight, and you know, but, yeah. you know, medical care is something that's very often overlooked and, and, and desperately needed, you know, for for a lot of people. I mean, even just, you know, if, the, if a lot of doctors in rural areas are moving to front lines to take care of that, then, you know, those people in, in a peaceful area just need someone to help them. And, you know, there's... And you know another factor is a lot of those even if the doctors from those
1: rural areas don't change their position, all of a sudden those rural areas are going to have a large amount of people passing through, as the refugees move. You know, and so there's going to be some injuries and you know just circumstantial injuries as well and illness in general. It comes with moving hundreds of thousands of people you know across the nation. So yeah, yeah. Step of the way it needs some sort of assistance, and that's what it's looking like from everybody I talked to over there right now. Anyway.
0: Yeah. So um, were you with whoever you were in contact with Ukraine, were you given like any like assurances, like any anything like safety assurances, anything like that? Not
1: not really. I mean, in terms of like there was when I was speaking uh, with some of the people at the consulate, they discussed initially, you know, like if I was willing to go to areas that had military aggression that would have sent me down a whole different pathway with the consulate. I would have had to go through a bunch of other stuff, but you know, I'm a type one diabetic. I can't be too far away from a back, you know, a back path to medical supplies. I'm going to have enough insulin with me, but I can't get locked down in the city for six months. You know what I mean? So I couldn't go that far deep into it, but Okay. So the, the medical, the, the assurances and things like that are probably going to go to the people who went down that, route rather than staying on the back, like what they call back end medical support.
0: Okay. Yeah, that that makes sense. Then it's probably just not necessary that they give you any assurances. Versus, yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, yeah, I was I was just sort of interested if if they said anything like that. I I don't know if that's kind of might seem far fetched with you know moving to an active conflict zone that they probably wouldn't wouldn't freely offer something like that. But yeah, I
1: mean you know I mean. Like I said, I haven't talked to anybody who actually decided to go into the heavy hit areas. Um, I know that they had one of the people I talked to earlier. I haven't talked to them in a while, but they were going to I think Odessa, which is not under attack but is preparing for it. And I know when they were going there, they said that they were hitching a ride with some actual Ukrainian military. So I guess they put them with them for the transport. But other than that, I don't know any, you know, like what kind of assurances they could offer even. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, I guess that kind of goes into the next question of, uh, where will you be going? If you, if you know, if you have any idea. All
1: right. Um, initially, obviously going to go through Medica with in Poland and cross there. And initially for sure, I'm going to be in Lviv, which is about, I guess, 20 miles East of Poland border. And that's my first step. And I'm going to go there. Um, with one of the medics who is when they get back because they're in Germany currently and they're going to be there on the 20th or 21st when I get there. And that was our plan was us to travel that way and get there. So, yeah.
0: Okay, cool. But that, um, that,
1: that might change though, once I get to Poland because I'm supposed to contact somebody at the Ukrainian embassy in Poland, so, or one of the consulates. So we will see. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean it makes sense that it'd be a very fluid situation. You wouldn't necessarily know like where you're going to be staying or anything like that, but yeah, I was just I was just curious if they like would station you or something, you know.
1: Yeah, um it seems it seems from a lot of the people that I'm talking to that's exactly what's going on like you said, fluidity of it. It's, you know, if they don't need anybody here, they're going to put you over here, you know, and it changes every day. So, yeah. Yeah. We will see once I get, I guess. <laughs>
0: Um, I think you sort of answered the next question of, uh, are you going to be with other, are you with other medics? Um, kind of sounded like more of a solo thing, but meeting up with other people from uh, Germany and whatnot.
1: Yeah, there, yeah. there's, a, there's, like I said, there's a number of other foreign medical professionals, you know, ranging from doctors, and they're mostly emergency medical personnel, like medic and other EMT. And I guess, I'm not sure exactly what type of doctors they are. They're French guys. That, um, and I'd only talk to them a little bit, but they're friends with the medic that I was talking to. So, you know, like that's those are the people that I know. So, that, goes yeah. Up.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Are you going to be bringing any supplies? Are you expected to be furnished? And I'm guessing you, you know, uh, other than well, personal medical so, supplies,
1: my own medical, I mean, outside of my medical needs, which is just insulin. but like actual medical supplies um certain equipment like chest seals and hemostatic gauze and certain types of tourniquets that i'm familiar with because i don't know what they use there and i don't want to be tossed out and say hey you know here's some equipment that i'm not trained on (laughs) you know so the things that i'm sure might come into use i'm going to take for myself yeah yeah if if they require special training you know if somebody gives me like a z-pack type of gauze well it all pretty much works the same regardless of what's written on the container, you know, but certain things like, you know, there's a bunch of different types of turnips. Some I'm familiar with some I've never used, you know, certain chest deals work a little bit different. I'm just going to take things I'm comfortable with. So I get a chance to look at what they,
0: have. yeah. Yeah. It sounds person perfectly reasonable. Yeah. Um, and then I guess this is might be the, the big question is, um, like, how long will you stay or how long are you planning on staying or you just I don't actually
1: are... have a plan. I, I bought an open I mean, I bought a one-way ticket. So until I'm, not needed, you know, even after, if, if the war ended today, I'm still going. Cause you know, even if it's not medical help, they're going to need a lot of help, you know, transporting supplies, food, you know, things like that where they rebuild It's You know, there's still going to be injuries from unexploded ordinances, like mines and all kinds of other stuff that's going on. So, Knows
0: yeah, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, even if it did in tomorrow, there's still going to be a lot of medical needs. So, yeah, it's a good point.
1: And non-medical needs as well. You know, because I'm not—I mean, I'm a trained EMT, but I could do a lot of other stuff too. So, whatever hand is
0: needed, you know. Yeah, and this is ex- exactly a all hands on deck sort of uh, sort of event. Um, and then I guess my the last question that I have written down here for you is. Um, uh, what is your advice to people who are maybe wanting to join or, or maybe people, if they couldn't join, um, what do you think are some good ways to help?
1: Depends on what you're joining. If it's medical, contact the local consulate or, you know, embassy. Uh, they're kind of hard to get through to because you're still being inundated by calls. Like the phone will be busy for like all day, you know, and you might get through. But if, you're trying to join for military service, the embassy's website has a lot of information about who to contact for that, like the military attache and stuff. Um I don't have the addresses on hand, but they're on the embassy's website and on the Ukrainian government's website. But as far as you know, if you want to help monetarily, my best suggestion is bypass the charities and stuff. I mean, you have to vet them if you're gonna use them, but you know, a guarantee is from their embassy, get the actual bank transfer numbers that they offer for, you know, the armed forces or humanitarian needs through the UA government. And they have those and also a couple of cryptocurrency addresses that I thought was interesting.
0: I didn't know about the, the cryptocurrency, but yeah, I guess that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's on the actual, you know, Ukrainian government's website and their embassy. But they're a very contemporary, you know, social media driven just you know kind of tech-based society already you know so it's not really that surprising you know, cryptocurrency address.
0: yeah yeah that's like the new i guess the, the new new 21st century aspect of it where you can help you know fund a, a military with cryptocurrency and yeah and it's a very much a social media heavily involved social media sort of war um from both sides what i'm saying it's like every everything is very highly you know you know televised and tons of you know video footage because everyone you know now now everyone carries a high def camera in their pocket you know so everyone's able to record everything and it might be really the first time in human history anything like this has really happened I mean, it's
1: crazy you go on tiktok and see like ukrainian soldiers you know like 90 frames a second video you know like 4k on tiktok of them leaning back with their feet propped up driving down a road in a tank like what <laughs> you know never seen anything like that in my life that's kind of that's like the epitome of like yeah this is a social media driven world at this point
0: <laughs> yeah yeah man tiktok's accounts of, of soldiers that's just wow that's a very that's a very recent thing for sure yeah nice um you said the they. About calling like the embassy or whatever, did did you did they take like all day to answer you, sort of like when you call? Do you think they're really that that inundated with requests?
1: Yeah. And when I first got through, uh, I actually got diverted to the front desk, who wasn't manned by the front desk person. It was actually a security guard that answered. And he sent me a text with another number to contact somebody. <laughs> and oh, wow. I got in touch with them, and they put me off to somebody else at another consulate. And then I got a. Application form to fill out from them and then got contacted by somebody else from actually in Ukraine. And then it just got bounced around a whole lot. I mean, it's like I said, it's chaotic. It's crazy how, you know, I mean, but I don't know what else I expected really from that much. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. Uh, if the security guard had answered the phone at the front desk, then that's, yeah, that seems He like said the phone just rings off the hook all day. Uh, wow. I mean,
1: you know, you got Ukrainians that live here because that's their embassy. They're, you know, the Ukrainians who live in the United States calling, trying to find out about family or what they can do about family. You know, there's a lot of stuff like that. I imagine. So.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. You said you were friends with some Ukrainians. Do you, do you speak uh, Ukrainian or Russian or anything or I can everyone? Read just...
1: it. I can read it pretty well and type it fairly well. I sound like a child if I speak, so I don't, um, I can understand basic stuff like, like vocally, but it reads a whole lot different than it, It's written, you know what I mean? Like, I never combine those two, so I imagine once I get over there, I'll be able to put it together a lot quicker once I'm immersed in it. But
0: shouldn't take too long, I'm sure. Just even knowing some some basic, you know, Ukrainian is better than nothing. Just like, what do they say you need to know when going to a foreign country? Like, where's the bathroom? You know, where's the
1: (laughs) yeah, like, you know, it's, it's not actually that difficult of a language, I just don't. When I speak, I just can't say anything quite properly, and it gets a lot of laughs. So I avoided that and didn't
0: get any good at it. So, <laughs> well, I kind of I have a feeling you're going to get some practice. Oh yeah, definitely. No. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. is there anything that you wanted to t- to talk about related to this or anything? Um, while while you're here, just if there's anything you want to say or get off your chest or anything like that, we're just we're we're all ears.
1: It's not really a whole much, uh, you know, a whole lot I can say. It's just, it's just a horrible situation going on over there, you
0: know. And and
1: like I was saying earlier, it's going to take a lot from the whole world to make this, you know, right. Is even the people who survive, their lives are still gone, you know. Their entire, how, you know, like not just their home, but their entire cities are gone, you know. And so anything anybody can do, no matter how small, uh, might help. And I just hope. people are willing
0: to do that yeah yeah me too that's everyone if everyone just did a little bit that's all it really takes every everyone doing doing a little bit yeah wow well uh thank thanks so much robin for for agreeing to come on and uh and to do this little little interview um appreciate appreciate you know your your honesty and answering all these questions and you know we wish you the best of luck and and your adventures over there and um um, if you, I, I'd love it if you could stay in touch with us. Um, if, you know, if you ever, if you ever got a, you know, had time while you're over there, if you could give us, you know, some updates of, you know, what it's like over there. Um, I think everyone would really, really love to love to hear about, you know, your journey and getting over there and, and everything like that. So maybe, maybe we can make this a, a, sort of little ongoing, you know, series with you, if you, if you don't mind. All right. Yeah. I'll definitely keep that in mind. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, Thanks so much again, Robin. Um, Appreciate it, and uh, yeah, best of luck. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yeah.